the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week. Episode 67, recorded Friday, November 23rd, 2012. Canadian Quarters. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. Week. Online. This is AV Week. It's time for AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I'm your host. Thank you so much for joining us. By the way, happy Black Friday, y'all. With us is someone who enjoyed Black Friday, I think, probably as much as my wife did, is Miss Dawn Mead from NetAV. How are you, ma'am? Very good, thanks. And you've rested and you've recovered from the craziness. Absolutely. (laughs) All right. Uh, with us is also a very sad Cowboys fan, Mr. Matt C. Scott from Omega <laughs> Audio Video. You're darn right I'm upset. Uh, I believe yesterday, by the way, was Romo's first loss on Thanksgiving. Just wanted to point that out there for you. It was his first loss at home in November as a Cowboy ever. See, I was just trying to be nice by saying the I know, first one I know, but, on Thanksgiving, you know. but wow, dude. Sorry. Jeez. And see, personally, I liked the, I liked the nice... Um, symmetry of the Indians beating up on the Cowboys on Thanksgiving. Uh, yes. I it's thought just, that was classy. That was very yeah, nice. Was... Nice. If only they'd done that 400 years ago. All right. <laughs> Last but not least is, <laughs> I say that with plenty of Cherokee blood in me. Uh, I, uh, last but not least is George Tucker, the engineering coordinator for World Stage. How are you, brother? Hey, guys. How are you? I'm doing fine. Uh, this week, we're going to talk about no more eye devices. Ever in the United States, sort of, kind of, not really. Uh, We're going to pit Tesla. Actually, no, we're not going to pit Tesla versus um, Edison. We're going to join the two together in holy matrimony. Uh, So, yeah, kind of sort of on that. And Kramer has come out, yes, I can talk, uh, with, I think, is their first first twisted pair for digital. Uh, But first, uh, if you work for Panasonic, uh, I'm sorry. But apparently they're killing uh, about 10,000 jobs, this is according to Reuters. Um, according to the, the Reuters piece uh, from Japan, about a fifth of Panasonic's corporation, uh, unit, uh, about a fifth of their units are losing money, and only half so far meet a target for at least 5% operating margin. So they're killing 10,000 jobs. Now, before we get too crazy when it comes to the world of AV, let's be frank here. Panasonic makes more than just projectors. They make drills. What? They make oh yeah. They actually, <laughs> I, I had probably one of my one of the best cordless drills I ever had was Panasonic. I know that's weird, but it, it was a really good drill. Yeah, it's a little weird. It's not as good as my Bosch. Again, you should buy the a- yellow ones. Again, an AV company who I you know who I've got a drill <laughs> from, but it's a really good. It's actually the Bosch's are really great. It's a very lightweight. Anyhow, Don, before I go down too much farther, um. Is this a huge thing for us in the AV world, whether it's projectors or displays or whatever, or is this probably someplace outside of of their AV manufacturing? Well, I mean, when I was reading the story, you know, I didn't see a ton that said like it's the Panasonic AV division that's losing a fifth of their 
you know, or, or that, that's losing money and, and getting slashed or anything. You know, it didn't really indicate what business units. And like you said, Panasonic, they're huge. They make a ton of stuff. Um, you know, as long as it's not necessarily the AV stuff, and, and, and we'll, that'll remain to be seen by end of March when all of these job cuts happen. But as long as it's not the AV stuff, it really shouldn't impact us. And in fact, it might be better for us in the long run. Um, you know, as, as you know, I'm in business school right now. I'm, I'm in my last semester. Yay. Yay. Uh, <laughs> Claps. You know, and one of the things that we've talked about is, you know, looking at your business units and, and finding out, you know, when ones aren't functioning well and, and re, re, reworking them to make them profitable or to get rid of them and, and, and refocus your business on core matters that, I mean, at the end of the day, every business is out there to make money unless you're a nonprofit. And, you know, some of those are out there to make money so they can do better things for other people. So, you know, it, it could be a good thing in the long run for Panasonic to go through this, even though it's like, oh my God, we're, you know, shedding 36,000 jobs last year and now we're going to shed a bunch more. It sounds all scary. And if you work for them, it kind of sucks. But at the end of the day, it's probably a good move on the company's part. Now, that, I say that not knowing if it's the plasmas or whatever. If, if all, all of a sudden Panasonic's out of AV, then I'll be a little miffed. But yeah. business-wise, it makes sense based on what I read. Not even a year after after folding Sanyo into their into their fold, you know, um, maybe you know, having some issues. George, is this kind of like what Don said where it comes you – know, they're, they're trimming some of the fat and hopefully some of the fat isn't in the world of AV. So that will help them be a leaner, meaner – uh, Panasonic, and and that should benefit us if 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 the the cuts aren't uh, in the world of AV. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like it, right? I mean, th- there's a quote in here that says it's a sprawling conglomerate. So, I mean, you know, there's a lot going on with this company. I think they make everything from tractor parts to, you know, AV stuff. But uh, there is something to be concerned with that. Uh, everybody we watch, Sony, Panasonic, they're all sort of consolidating. Why? Because I mean, look at the projectors. If you go on projectorcentral.com, you can look up how many projectors are made by one manufacturer under different names. I mean, you really are at a point here where a lot of these guys are keeping certain things going that they don't need to. And that can help save a lot of money unless they think that's a loss leader towards a better infrastructure that they're selling with it. But I think it will affect some of the AV side because I don't think it's that high of a profit anymore for them. I think they're going to continue to outsource it or do partnerships with someone where the name is going to be a partnership name instead. It does and will affect us in some way, at least on the low end. Hmm. I think about that. Uh, Matt C. Scott, you are, uh, you've got probably as much um, or, or more residential than I do. Uh, is this is this where they live now, um, and that maybe that's where their profit margins are? Is in CE or is it more uh, not CE, but but, um, but yeah, consumer electronics, or is it more in the the projectors and the higher end stuff? I, I don't I don't really know. You know, they've been touting their huge plasmas, you know, commercial displays for so long that kind of own that market, and then at the complete opposite end edge of the spectrum, they make watch batteries and fax machines and printers and da, 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 you know I could go cordless phones so I I don't know now granted we we all know that most of the panel manufacturers are losing money in that uh, that business unit but again whether this is where this is coming from I we don't know because it doesn't say so you know it's I'm sure they're making a lot in that but again there's there's so much uh, other divisions and 
other parts of their business that we're not really privy to and as AV guys, we're not really on top of um, that it, it's really hard to say. Okay. Uh, this comes to us from strategy.com. We'll put a link on it. But basically, it's it's from Nortech. And if you don't remember what ha- what's happened in Nortech in the last six, seven months, back in, in May, I think, April or May, um, they came around and they, they, they took all of their um, their groups together, all of their various companies, stuff like uh, Geffen and TV1 and Magenta uh, and a couple other ones, and are kind of... Uh, had all of them under different names and then they got them all under Nortech and now they're consolidating it even more under a name called the Pro AV Group. To me, this sounds more like a consulting firm than it does a group of various manufacturers. <laughs> but that's just me. Um, George, is this a huge deal or is this a marketing thing? Is this, you know, Nortex finding out that people can't find them in the yellow pages? What, what's the thinking maybe behind this? Uh, the answer is yes. <laughs> Thank um, you. There is you know, no thinking. Well, I mean, but the, here's my problem with this is that I'm looking over this article again as we speak and the Pro-AV group has Geffen, TV1, Magenta Research and some others consolidated into one group. There's that word again, consolidation, right? Yes. But... There's a lot of overlap with those products. I'm not quite sure what they're looking for. Is this a way of acquiring stuff for every budget level and it's the long tail theory? What's going on here? There's a ton of overlap there. Well, and it, when it, is Geffen Pro? Okay, so... I but mean, TV One, I can see in it. Hang on for a second. I, I want to I <laughs> throw some more, in, in, some more grist into this mill because their other core brands are Niles, Speakercraft, Zantec, Elon... Aiton, Blue Bolt, Proficient, Panamax, Furman, because we all need power conditioners, and Sunfire. So all owned by the same people. Mm. Mm. So, and we all need IR emitters too. So, so they're not trying to corner the market in pork bellies too? There's prob- somebody <laughs> in there juice. probably owns a pork farm, yes. Co- concentrated frozen orange juice. Yes. Yeah. Oh, very nice. <laughs> yes. If you don't get that, look up, uh, look up. Uh, oh, come on! What was the name of the stupid movie? Trading places. Trading Thank you, places. trading places. <laughs> I wanted to say Brewster's Millions for some reason, but totally no, wrong, wrong movie. movie. Same actor, wrong movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dan Aykroyd was in that too. Okay. Yes. Uh, Don, is this? Have they lost their ever loving mind here, or is there, <laughs> is is there a really good reason for this? <laughs> it's entirely possible that they're just trying to get some name recognition. Because but I mean, I'm changing I, their name. Well, I know because nothing's working. <laughs> okay. I mean, I hear the name Nortech, and I'm thinking of like you know, some computer product or like a beauty product company. I don't think AV stuff. You know, I don't think Niles and and um, who else was it? TV One and Magenta. I, I know those by their Geffen. names. I know Geffen by their name. You know, so the only reason I knew the name Nortech was frankly, because of being on AV Week and getting stories from you saying, let's talk about Nortech. I mean, wow. So, yeah, I, the name Nortech meant nothing to me. So I, I, I can be behind them saying the pro AV consulting firm or something. As long as they actually brand it and get people to recognize that, it, it can only be for the good. Nortech kind of is like, what? So It almost sounded like a defense contractor to me at some point. You know? Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Better peace through Nortech, you know. (laughs) Well, it also it it reminds me of uh, oh, there was a there was a uh, 
a, a wireless razor for a few years. What was it All called? Right. I don't know. Anyway. All right. Uh, we're going to talk about a really smart person who wrote a very piece of the kind of kick around here. Uh, apparently, Matt Scott, um, the Canadian government, has a, has a limit on the amount of Internet minutes you can use on Black Friday, and he's exceeded that. So... We will push through and, and try to connect, connect with him uh, a little bit further on down the line. Uh, Alan Braun, Alan, Alan C. Braun, real smart guy. Uh, he wrote a piece for AV Network, and that's um, the guys over at SCN and, and a couple other magazines. Well, the, the website is avnetwork.com. The, uh, the title of the piece is License to Thrive. And what Alan talks about is the plethora of certifications you can get throughout the AV and IT world. Uh, Don, you mentioned that you are f- finishing up your beautiful double ma- uh, double um, grad school uh, work, and uh, and I salute you for that, ma'am. I am not worthy. I'm doing a paltry <laughs> one, and I'm about you know to pull my hair out. But you and I have talked both on this show and off about the fact that there's not really any significant degree. Uh, there's not a quote unquote AV degree. Uh, that you can get, so you're going to school and getting a couple of different, uh, a couple of different master's degrees that are semi quasi related. Yeah, they're semi quasi yeah. related. But and 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 Alan even points this out in the in the AV world and even in the IT world, there are quasi related. And then once you get in the industry, you go out and get all these certifications, whether it's a C, whether it's a CTS or an ISF or or Cisco certified or Microsoft certified or, or whatever it is. We're big on you know the patches on our arms. Um, is there one or two that you have to get, or is it pretty much put them all in a bucket and pull out the the best two or three that should suit you fine? You know, right now it kind of depends on what who you're working for and what kind of jobs you're after. I mean, there there are places where, like working for the government, they're starting to put CTS or CTSD or so forth on on their bid specs. So if you want to bid on this, you need to have this or that. Um, Other companies, you know, they, they may have heard of those, but they respect CCNA or, you know, I mean, it it is a true alphabet soup out there of certifications you can get and different people are looking for different ones. So it's kind of get as much education as you can and and as many letters after your name as you can. Eventually you're going to be valuable to someone. (laughs) That's horrible (laughs) to say, but um, you know, I'm a big believer in education anyway, uh, continuing and ongoing, but I I think as time goes on, we're going to kind of start to see certain ones gain more value. And I think with about, you know, a couple weeks ago, um, the CompTIA report that came out where they told all of their IT guys that if you want to do anything in AV, and you should... You need to look at Infocom and you need to look at the CTS degree and the C- or CTS certification and CTSD certifications. That little um, recommendation by CompTIA gave our industry and Infocom a lot of cred yeah. as far as I'm concerned. And so I think after things like that and as time goes on, those are going to go up in value compared to some of the other ones. Now, of course, I'm an AV person, so I'm obviously biased to CTS and CTSD and so forth. Um, but, you know, there are certain ones of the alphabet soup that are more valuable. It depends who your, who your target is at the moment, but it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to sort of standardize over the next little bit. I, that's my prediction anyway. 
Uh, George, you live in in the live environment in the live world. Is there maybe one or two besides the the CTS that that folks should get, whether it's a Bixi or or some other certification, or is it just as the the job, uh, you know, as, as the job comes down, you know, you need to get this to to make this happen. Yeah, in the live world, it's a whole different set of you know skill sets. Yeah, there's an overlap in AV, but I mean the CTS stuff it, I think is absolutely necessary, especially after what they did to become uh, a better educator and better tester and be, and be uh, certified themselves. Um, my, my suggestion always to guys is get a CTS and then get a CCNA or a CTSD if you can, so that we can at least understand how the networks and things that we are going to deal with do. And then after that, it becomes very finite. You go to a manufacturer for some kind of special projection um, uh, certification or something like that, because there's going to be these little niche things like rigging. In the world, live world, you're not going to get that anywhere else except for maybe SAPSIS AV or these, uh, I forget half the names of these guys that teach those camps. I mean, that's where you're going to learn it. Um, it is going to come down to, I think, like Dawn said, three or four overlapping ones that will eventually become this all-encompassing leveled certification, at least for our industry. Okay, so I'm going to make you go out on a limb here, if, <laughs> if you're so comfortable. Um, what, yes. what is that going to be? I mean, is that going to be, you know, the CTS and then, uh, oh, yeah, you also need to have some sort of, let's say, server uh, certification, whether that's a Cisco server cert or an HP server cert or a Microsoft server cert? Yeah, absolutely. One of those, definitely. You need to know your way around a router or know the difference between a switch and a router and why they're used and when they're used and how to handle them in the field. Whether it's an install for residential or you know, we do it more and more live, half the stuff we're doing is over the twisted pairs. I mean, it's the UTP and all that stuff. I mean, it, you have to know this stuff if you're going to advance. Otherwise, you're going to be the guy who just pulls the cable. Yeah. Matt, yeah. Matt Scott, have you joined us yet? I am awesome. We're talking Yay. about certifications. He he put Ooh. two more quarters in the in the Canadian internet machine. Um, <laughs> Does that mean I, his bed's vibrating all had, now? All I had was nickels, oh. and I had to dig around <laughs> and find some quarters. All right. Um, we're talking about the certification, the the story by Alan Braun. Yes. Um, talking about not only in the in the pro world, but also in in the residential world. Um, you, you deal with a, with a different set of people when you're talking about resi because some of these people, flat out, let's be frank, they don't care. They want it to look good and they want it to work. Um, Don mentioned that the fact that in working with the government, they're putting the fact that you have to have a CTS in. You need to have a CTSD or they'd like to have you to have a CTSD. You, you, they'd like you to have this certification or that. Um, what is it that you should... Um, do whether that's or what certification should you have when it comes to residential AV as opposed to maybe pro? Well, the the hard thing with residential is that as much as CDU would like, their you know CDU certifications are not um, as widely even accepted as uh, the Infocom, the CTS stuff, um, or ISF or anything like that. Uh, so in a lot of residential, there's no certification required. The downside of that is you end up with a lot of guys who look at what we as you know resi pros do every day and go, oh, well, that looks really simple. You just plug the HDMI into the thing and you do the you know that and you grab a Harmony remote and you're done. So we get a lot of people in the in the industry who have very limited knowledge of it. Um, it is something where, you know, ISF or THX certification is wonderful for video and audio. Um, you know, getting the CDS certifications is also great. But 
it, it, it's hard and we very rarely see specs like you do in both the corporate and the government uh, industries. We very rarely see specs coming out where you can't quote on a project unless you're, you know, a level, level three um, ISF dealer or, you know, stuff like that. You don't see that as often in re- residential. That being said, you know, I, I, for one, would love to see a ton more certification work being done in the in the industry. The the other half of it, though, is that we need much better education. As you know, I know Infocom has touted this for years. We need much better um, education out there for our end users and our consumers, so that they know what these mean. There's no point in putting a uh, you know CDA badge on your business card when your homeowner has no clue what it stands for yeah. and what it, what it you know why it's there at least when you're doing government work uh and as i said some corporate stuff they know they know what a cts is they know why it's there they know what the purpose is <clears throat> with a lot of the residential stuff it's that knowledge just isn't there well isn't that comes down to the organization themselves and and, and the onus is on them to make sure that their certification and, and their um, their stamp on the industry is known outside of their members. I mean, that the one thing that Infocom does really well is they coordinate with other with other silos and say, you know, a silo industries and say, you know, this is what we are and this is what we do and these are our certifications and this is what it means. It means that if you if if we give someone a CTS, then they've met a minimum requirement, or if they've you know they've done a CTSD. Uh, they've met this minimum requirement. Um, isn't that the the job of the of the organizations? I would say completely. And and I'm not. I didn't say all that to say you know or imply that CDA does a bad no, 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 job. No, 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 no. They they do a very good job at that. The hard thing is you know again when you're when you're in the corporate industry, if you're in the Fortune 500 side of it, it's it's all big stuff. It's all big projects, big companies people that kind of understand that this stuff matters. Um, when you get into residential stuff, it's a lot like doing, you know, from a commercial side, it, it would be like doing a mom and pop variety store. You know, they want, they want some security and they want some, uh, you know, digital signage and stuff like that. They don't care what's on your sheet because they just want it done for the cheapest price they can get. It's when you get into those larger scale projects where having, you know, confirmed and <laughs> licensed knowledge, if you will, um, and all that kind of stuff permeates down the line. You know, for, for our company, we, we do a lot of stuff that's very, very, you know, high-end stuff. We do a lot of high-end lighting control projects and, and stuff like that. But then at the same time, we also do a lot of just basic, hey, can you set up our home theater or install a TV for us? And, you know, when we're going to quote on hanging a plasma that they just bought on Black Friday because uh, they went across the port here on to pick something up from Target, they really don't care. Even if they know what CD is, they really don't care and they're not going to pay for that added, um, you know, value that comes with those certifications. And in residential, that's probably one of the biggest issues is, again, if you're on that bigger project, yeah, those things all matter. But you, when you're on the smaller projects and the more everyday uh, consumer projects, they don't know, they don't care, and they're definitely not wanting to pay for it, which the extension of that means that you as corporate you know, companies, you're not wanting to put the money into it. 
Okay, so that's a good so, good. I didn't even think about that. Is are these certifications, whether it's a Microsoft or it's a or it's a CTS, is there a the sense from the end user or let's say the decision maker that those those certifications add a cost to the bottom line? Not always, but again, it depends on the clientele. When you're when you're dealing with again those those more entry level people that are interested in that doorbuster that Best Buy had, they don't they they're just not going to care. So whether it's a actual perceived value and cost to having a you know CDA certified company come in and do this, again this is all permeated on the fact that your end user actually knows what CDA is. Um, and that's very, very minimal. Uh, I would say of our clients, it's probably less than 5% have ever actually ever heard of it, wow. let alone, you know, Infocom or uh, anything like that. It's just, it, it's a very hard thing to do. But, you know, you know sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, Matt, you know, it, it sounds to me almost like you have to have uh, a marketing campaign with that saying, you know, guaranteed certified techs. Yeah. You know, sort of in the vein of the red caviar saying guaranteed not to turn black in a can. Exactly. <laughs> it's a little and, versus psychology, but, it, you know. Exactly. And that's that's what we do with our, you know, our lighting spec, because that's probably our most, our, our highest spec that our company has, is we're a level three, you know, Lutron dealer for Radio Raw 2. We're one of 90-something dealers in North America with that. So when we have that, we're able to promote off that. So we can add a perceived value and additional value to our company and our proposals over top of what you know, some guy who, you know, for, for raw went to an ADI one day training seminar and got the first little itty bitty part that allows him to sell it. When we have those certifications, it, it allows you to be more professional. It allows you to have a greater perceived value to the end user, whether they're willing to pay for it and whether that ever even factors into their, you know, purchase decision is one thing, but you know, it, it's something where you can't put that into their purchase decision, make that part of the part of the sale if they don't know about it. And if you don't tell them about it, they probably won't know. So it's, it's twofold. Yes, it's on, you know, come um, organizations like Infocom and Cedia and, you know, ISF or THX or whoever you want to talk about. But it's also on the holders of those those certifications to go out to their users and say, hey, just wanted you to know that, you know, we're CDA certified. We've got this, 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 and this. All of our guys are trained in this, 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 and this. We're not some, again, especially in Resi, we're not some guy who last week was pulling, you know, cable for ADT or who worked at Radio Shack for six months or worse, worked at Best Buy in the, you know, home theater division for a week and a half and came out and said, dude, I can totally hook up that $300 Yamaha for like 50 bucks. And... When you have those other those other certifications, it's a lot easier to get into it and you know help differentiate yourself from all your competition. Which again just continues. It, it, it's that whole cycle. If Infocom and Cedia promote it, and then you as a you know a holder of those certifications promote it, everybody is helping to promote the industry, which helps the industry grow and helps not weed out the the guys that don't have the knowledge, but it does kind of help weed out the guys who don't have the knowledge, which is good. Well, and, and that's one of the things, that's one of the first things that I did when I came on board with NetAV is, you know, let's be honest, unless you're totally a trunk slammer 
or you are doing like million dollar jobs with you know gold solid gold fixtures on everything you know one one extreme or the other most av companies out there do a decent job especially you know the mom and pops there's not a ton of differentiation between a lot of mom and pops unless somebody just is an idiot or somebody is just like fabulous we're all good good av people you know what i Mm -hmm. mean and and what really sets you apart you know your unique selling proposition if using business school terms you have to have something so you have to have that hook and the first thing i did getting into net av was i said look i see you're not infocom company certified and I see you don't have everybody's certificates everywhere all over the walls. I want every employee, including you guys, the owners, to give me all of your certifications, all of your classes, all of your degrees, all of your anything. If you if you even got, you know, a, a gold star from your teacher for perfect attendance, I want to know about it. And then you put that together and, you know, within the first couple of months, we are now an Emerald certified AV company through Infocom based on the number of employees that we have with certifications. We're working on getting a diamond certification. And, you know, yeah, it's, pardon me, kind of bullshit, these certifications with, you know, they, they don't mean the world, but they do mean that we took the effort to train our employees. They do mean that we take the effort to do our job to a certain standard. And it's something that we can hold up against a competitor that does work just as well as us. And when our you know, price proposals are pretty much the same, you're going to go with quality as the differentiator. Yeah. And education and all of these certifications, especially when you market them properly, that's what it's about. It's about setting yourself up as a perceived expert. Hey, let's be honest. The whole reason AV Dawn came into existence as a brand, quote unquote, and the whole reason I started blogging was I worked for a mom and pop. I wanted to get us some perceived expertise, which, yeah, you know, we know what we're talking about and I know what I'm talking about. But at the end of the day, if you know, if you have two people that seem to know what they're talking about, but one's a published expert, so to speak, mm-hmm. and the other's just Timmy down the block from, you know, whatever AV company, who are you going to pick? And, and that's what it's all about. You have to let people know and you have to get out there and, and utilize the tools available, including certifications to get that expertise and, it, it'll ultimately pay back in, in business for you. No, that's well, and it, it's also something where by doing that, by being members of these organizations and, you know, even for a resi company, even getting outside of the, the AV side and getting becoming a member of your home builders association and stuff like that, being, being a member of your chamber of commerce, these are all things that help to promote you as a company, but also show that you're involved in not only your community, but your industry. Because just as Don said, when people see all those certifications and they see that you're actively involved in your industry and even your community, it just shows that you're not just another another company that just kind of does their own thing. Again, not saying that that's bad, but that they just, you know, they live in their own world. As soon as you get out there and you show and demonstrate that you're involved, it, it just adds that, I don't want to say air of importance, but it really does add that perceived value. Right. Which is great. Yeah. All right. Well, now that we've let <laughs> that out, um, you are listening to AV Week. Thank you so much. Uh, that would be Matt C. Scott. Don Mead is here from Net AV and George Tucker uh, from World Stage. This comes to us from Innovate, uh, innovateonthenet.net. We'll put a link up to it. Kramer has added a new DVI matrix switcher. Because oh, yeah. we needed a DVI switcher. I, I, I poke fun. Uh, but the, actually, the cool thing about this is, and we reached out to Kramer, haven't heard back yet, but it's the week of Thanksgiving, so I kind of get it. Um, 
from what I can tell uh, from their website, this is their first Twisted Pear, kids. Um, and that's kind of cool because not because Twisted Pear is some new fancy schmancy thing, but the fact that another company is getting into Twisted Pear. And George, you mentioned it when you talked about being in the live world. That's kind of what you guys do. Whether it's Twisted Pear, it's also you all you also deal with fiber a lot. Um, and a mm-hmm. quick plug: George's uh, Live Life uh, episode this month deals with fiber. Um, but is this is this a good thing? I mean, I always think competition is a good thing. So it's a good thing that that Kramer has gotten into the world of of Twisted Pear of digital over Twisted Pear. Uh, you, I'm sorry, you're asking me that. right? Yes, I'm sorry. Yes, George, yeah, sorry. George Tucker. Um. I didn't quite The hear other that, George has gone to the bathroom. Yes. No, you know, he's somewhere else entirely. Um, yeah, I think it is a good thing because uh, they, they finally can give us something that we can get over very inexpensive wire when we need to. I, I have to see. It's a good thing from them. We'll see how well it performs. I don't know yet, but I, I always like to see this transition. Uh, I'd like to see what it supports and what it really does. Uh, I couldn't find anything on our site about it in a quick check. On but, their site? Yeah, yeah. Like I said, yeah, I, I didn't do I, I didn't full research on it. Well, and, and what I found was, um, I, I again, I could definitely be wrong. I could I could be missing something, but um, I found I, the only thing I, I could find that is spitting out twisted pear is this specific product. Mm. So it's it's the first. Yeah, thing. no, it's the first DVI one I've seen personally. Uh, I like you said that we personally do a lot more fiber than we do twisted pear these days, uh, just because it's more reliable. But it, it, it's a good start, definitely. Matt, I know that you're a big, you're not a big fan of DVI, but it, it's a it's a start, and DVI probably Ooh. is the is the simplest thing. Be quiet, is the simplest thing to do uh, over Twisted <laughs> Pair. It's not HDMI; it doesn't have all of the back and forth like that, uh, but it is a good first step. It, it's definitely a good first step, and you know, again, th- this is one of those bedrock companies that maybe doesn't put out a whole bunch of super showy, awesome specking crazy oh my gosh did you see this at infocom in the kramer booth it was awesome but they they make a ton of stuff that you know we have in our studios and we have in our you know we put into our boardrooms all the time so to see that they are you know again continuing to evolve continuing to embrace uh some of the new technologies and hopefully they'll you know continue to push this into some of their other products it's just a really good sign and it'll be very helpful down the road as they can, you know, hopefully continue to put this or fiber or, you know, whatever new piece of tech comes down the road out and into the marketplace so that we can use it. Don, he's right. They're not the showiest thing in the world, but they at least ship their products. So regardless of <laughs> what they... Don't take that the wrong way. Regardless of what they show... No, no, no. <laughs> I, I was, that was not a slight, slight against Kramer. I'm saying it. they at least ship what they show at Introcom. I'm not yeah. going to mention any companies that do. All the other vaporware companies yes. that we're not going to talk about. Well, you know, some of them have some of them have even stopped showing up at Infocom. Anyhow, um, Zinga, Don, <laughs> is this a good thing? You know, competition and everything to have another product uh, we can send uh, digital down twisted pair. You know, especially because I've always worked for mom and pop AV companies, I love when there's competition between manufacturers, not just for the competitive aspect or price, you know, comparing prices or whatever. But you never know when there's going to be drama. If I've learned one thing, the AV world, you know, it's it's a male-dominated industry, but y'all have just as much drama as a bunch of women. <laughs> and, 
at any given time, this business owner's mad at that company or, or they're having, you know, they came out with a new pricing structure that ticked off the little guy or, or, or the little guy had a temporary hiccup on a job and there's a credit hold. And, and any, there's any number of little dramatic moments that can happen in a small company. And if for some reason you can't buy from company A and company A is the only one that makes a particular product, you're hosed. Yeah. So the more competition and of decent, good working product, and you know, I, I don't, I haven't had hands on this particular VS88 DTP or whatever it is, um, but I haven't had hands on some of the other ones either to you know do a side by side comparison of the quality, but just the fact that there's another company out there making something that uses this technology. Bonus, fantastic. Yeah, Gives us an option at the end of the day if some little drama flares up, you know, and. Fortunately, my new company has very little drama considering we're a mom and pop. But if, if anything, 15 years in the industry has taught me there will always be drama. So <laughs> competition helps circumvent that because it gives us options. Oh, absolutely, it does. Absolutely, it does. Uh, today is November 23rd, 2012. In less than one week, Miss Dawn Mead will be amongst the Beltway, amongst the wonderful Congress people. Of America, GovCom 2012. Um, in, in all seriousness, I I will totally cop to this. Last year, um, about this time, eh, a little bit. I think back in August or September of of, of eleven, when Intelcom first uh, started touting GovCom 2011, um, my first reaction was, "Really? They need an, an actual government show? Okay, sure, great, awesome, groovy." Uh, and then my good friend Don Mead went to the show, and holy crap, I have to totally um, say, you know what, I was wrong. I said it last year, I'll say it again. Uh, this was actually a really good show. My my eyes being Don Mead and the things that she wrote uh, for Rave, Rave Pubs. But I think, you know, at least from, from my perspective, you know, again, I'm a big, dumb Midwesterner. From what I can tell, this was actually a really good show and a really needed show. Um, so, Don, can you give us a preview and kind of a review of what you saw last year? Uh, well, last year, you know, GovCom, it, the whole idea behind it was a, a mini Infocom, but specifically AV companies focusing on the government and military markets um, and, and locating it in the D.C. area where the critical mass of your government agencies and military agencies are located. Um, you know, these are folks that can't, don't necessarily get the time off or the travel budget to go to Infocom and see the, the big show. They don't necessarily get to travel to some of these other things. It's, it's not a big deal for them to hop on the metro at lunch and head over to the convention center and stroll around and check out the exhibits and see what technology there is, though, during their lunch hour when it's located in D.C. So in that respect, it was absolutely needed. Um, this year, they've gone one step further. They didn't just locate it in D.C. and hold GovCom, but they have co-located the show with the Government Video Expo, which has been around for many years, but it's focused more on the broadcasts and streaming markets. It's also co-located this year with the Enterprise Architecture Conference and the Government Information and Analytics Summit. So they're really focusing on we're going to bring in all of the IT guys and the AV guys and the facilities guys, anyone that's working with these technologies in the government agencies and the military agencies. And we're going to bring them right here to D.C. Um, to the convention center and, and show them what we got. 
And if the show is half as good as last year, it'll be a fantastic show. Because you get things at GovCom that you won't see at Infocom. You know, at Infocom, all of the manufacturers want to show their biggest, shiniest, most whiz-bang technologies. And they're not going to see a ruggedized plasma display for use in a hostile environment. They want to show the big, shiny, sexy ones that make video walls and, yeah. and show blinking lights. You know, at GovCom last year, I'm walking around one of the exhibitors, and I can't remember which company it was. It was a, an integrator. Actually put pitched a, a, a field tent in the middle of the exhibit hall <laughs> over their cool. space as though they were in the desert or the mountains or wherever you might be deployed. And inside, they had their ruggedized enclosure flat panel table. So it was similar to the surface, but it was it was a video table where, you know, you know, the old uh, Indiana Jones movies where they push around the little soldiers on the Mm -hmm. big table in, in the war room. This was basically the digital version of that in this tent with this ruggedized rack that this this integrator came up with their own ruggedizing to, to protect the equipment that isn't necessarily military ready. And, I mean, it was a fantastic display. And the people from the different agencies were flocking to their booth, but you wouldn't have that in Vegas or Orlando, you know. So it, it's definitely a show that has a need. And I'm really looking forward to Wednesday when I get to go down there and see what everyone has new this year. Because uh, it's a great chance to meet other other contractors, other AV companies and IT companies, to meet the end users from the different agencies and, you know, do the networking, but also see what the new cool stuff is that we get to sell them. Very cool. Uh, yeah, and actually one quick programming note. We're going to have Joel Bilheimer, uh, who is actually going to be speaking at GovCom on, on next week's show. So I'm, I'm going to be interested to see what, what Don comes up with, what Joel talks about, uh, and what comes out of GovCom this next week. Uh, this comes to us from a new um, source, at least for me. It's a it's a website and a magazine called Buildings, which um, I'm not sure how I got on the mailing list for it. But it's it's about it's a facility management um, uh, magazine, and so I'm flipping through it, and and all of a sudden I see a picture of Nikolai Tesla and Thomas Edison. Like, oh, okay, cool. We're gonna have a throwdown again. Let's go. You know, let's let's let's. I'm sorry. I'm a big Tesla guy, so um, all you Edison, all you Edison Yahoos can, you know, can whatever. Um, but what they're talking about is an interesting phenomenon called uh, it's it's where they're taking AC and DC both uh, and putting them into data centers. Uh, and what's happening is um, they're actually helping. It, it's stemming some some problems that they've had in these data centers. The reason I bring this up is because one of the things that we have talked about on the show and, and, and other people have written about is the fact that we are going really, really close to IT if we haven't gotten there completely already with AVB and with HD base T. Um, so my question is, and George, we'll start with you on this one. If they start doing this ACDC um, in data centers, is this going to be a huge deal for us? Because this is where a lot of our equipment is starting to live now. Well, it's definitely an infrastructure change. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people who don't really understand how DC works, as it were. I mean, they get it when they have a transformer and a wall wart that changes the power, but it's it's a big change. I mean, as simple as it should sound, it's it's a big, big change. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, although I can't help myself, but all I keep thinking is Angus Young. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I was I was waiting. 
I was just you were waiting for that, you know. Well, you know, yeah. and, you know, I knew Tesla's it was the only one who has a top forty hit. So, Don, <laughs> help me. Who don't know the eighties? DCAC. How about that? Is that help? Does that help? Jeez, that's another yeah. show entirely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, but there was uh, this. This goes back to Extron, and I'm really sorry. But they had one of the best um, AC/DC tribute bands. Um, was it called Thunderstruck? Thunderstruck. Yeah, mm. I'm, that was one of the things. Yeah, that was a really good, good, good call, Mister Andrew Edwards. Uh, Don is tribute band. Yeah. yeah. Um, is this going to be a huge deal for us? Or are we just going to, you know, no big deal? We'll just, you know, we'll get a bunch of wall warts or something, or con- or converters. Um, I think it's going to be a big deal because you know. I mean, I'm not a licensed electrician. I'm not a master electrician, but I know that you have to go to a whole lot of school and you have to get a whole lot of training in there, going back to the certifications, to, to be able to work with all that stuff. And there's a massive, massive difference between alternating current and direct current. And, you know, yeah, you can get little converters, but it's not a that, – that's a that's a kludgy solution. That's a makeshift uh-oh, we're just going to make it work solution. And when we're talking about integration and we're talking about long-term use – we're going to need to see, as they say in the article, major OEM off-the-shelf DC equipment. You're going to need to see equipment that's made and designed to work off of that current if that's what they're going to and if that's what's going to become a standard in, in those areas. So I, it could be a massive game changer. It could be a total non-issue if it doesn't really you know, catch steam, but I, I see that it could, it, could be, it could have a lot of potential for, for both growth and for headaches down the road yeah. yeah well for headaches i agree i mean look the dc is a whole different animal in many ways i mean you can get away with an ac plug not having a ground sometimes yeah i know everybody will scream and yell but you can get away with it you do something wrong in dc you're blowing things up you're hurting yourself <laughs> especially at the levels that we're talking i mean the voltages we're talking like full dc houses straight dc that's not a joke right with things blowing up. <laughs> oh i know right <laughs> I mean, it's, and it's like and, it's it's like Life by Michael Bay. It's fantastic. Wow. <laughs> Holy cow. Yeah, that would be awesome. Uh, all right. Um, this, <laughs> geez, Louise. Uh, this is uh, from ITP.net. Apparently, the U.S. International Trade Commission is looking at the Samsung-Apple fight again. All you Apple fanboys, I sit here as my iPad goes off again. Um, apparently, and this, I don't know if this is, if this is screaming and yelling just to get, you know, um, people to click on their link or what, but this article says that it's very possible that if Apple is found to violate or have violated, uh, the Samsung patents, Apple devices deemed to violate those patents could be banned for sale in the United States. Dawn, first of all, is this even possible? I mean, is this do, do we see a scenario where this happens? And if so, holy crap, how big of a deal is this? You know, looking at it, it's kind of silly. I mean, at this point, there's so much saturation of eye products and eye people in this country that if they were to try to enforce this or try to to pass this, it, they would have a lot of problems getting it getting it actually to to be enforced. I mean, it, it's it's just almost ridiculous. It's like totally closing the barn door after all your horses have left, you know. But I, I mean, as an Android person, I don't care. <laughs> I'm not an <laughs> eye people, so yeah, go ahead, ban it. I don't care. Next but, 
but I, I mean, it, it just seems a little like I, I get where they're coming from, and and they may be correct in that. Yeah, that's in violation, so they shouldn't be allowed to sell that. But they've already sold millions of them. You know, it, it, where are the people going to line up and sit in the streets for days in advance if they don't have eye products to wait for? I mean, oh, no, they'll put the, they'll make them pay through the nose for it. Well, they'll say is well, technically now they say we can ban you if you want to keep this up. Here's what you do. Here's how yeah. much it's going to cost you. Cha-ching, baby. Cha-ching. Well, and well, hey, that's, I am... that's a brilliant idea. That could get rid of some of the deficit problems. And, <laughs> hey, the wow. government needs to rule on that right away then. But wasn't Apple the initial instigator of these suits? Well, that's the thing. I was going to ask you because they got a Samsung product banned for sale for a while. Right. And then they got, they got it taken away, and then they had to make the apology, and then they hid the apology at the bottom of the page. And no matter how you scrolled or sized your windows, you didn't see it until you scrolled down. Um, but I, I'm just curious. I mean, they almost sound like it's it's that. And forgive me, but it's the monster cable tech, uh, the business model of going after people proactively. And I think that bit him in the butt. Yeah. Yeah. Last but not least, guys, um, this is a interesting story. And China's never been one for I don't know regulations like OSHA. <laughs> but. <laughs> Let's just put the story really? out here, and I'll, I'll ask the story, uh, or I'll ask the question. Uh, from Gizmodo, a 220-story building is going to be built in China in 90 days. Let me say that again. A 220-story building in 90 days. I'm not good at math, but that's roughly about five stories a day. Holy cow. Um, Don... The, my first question for this, and you know, somewhat kidding, but not really. Um, did they forget about the AV <laughs> when they figured those five stories a day? You know, I, I don't know all the details on the technology they're using, but according to this article from Gizmodo, they're using a prefab technology, and they actually put up um, a, a like fifteen. Or thirty-story hotel in like fifteen days. Yeah. So they yeah. they've got some experience, but and the thing hasn't fallen over yet. It hasn't crushed people to death. And I mean, it, it sounds like it's actually feasible. It's sort of mind-boggling, and I think it's kind of crazy. And being not one for heights anyway, I wouldn't want to stay on the top floor yeah. myself. Hmm. But I I mean, it, it's it's possible. Now you know it's it's twenty twelve. And if they're coming up with new prefab technology that's letting them build things that quickly, it's 2012. They have to know that they have to leave conduit for power and AV and everything else. So my guess is these prefab kits would have some sort of conduit or channels available that they can run all that stuff after the fact. I mean, obviously, they're not running every cable and every wire as they build it if they're putting it up that quickly. Yeah. I, perhaps I'm wrong, but, you know. I, isn't this very similar to, to how they? Isn't this similar to how they build uh, some cruise ships, the modular prefab thing? I mean, all those connections are there. They just sort of click them together, sort of, you know, sort of like the window surface, <laughs> the little yeah. click thing. I mean, a lot of those do. They admit they're doing that. Um, as to the safety, I have no idea. I have some architect friends that I want to go ask about that 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 work in the commercial world. I really now want to ask them about this. Oh, Would absolutely. you say in it? I don't know. I don't know. Well, if you ever make it to China, it's called Sky City. So, you know, 220 floors. Holy cow. Yeah. And they're putting the foundation in at the end of this month. Yeah. That's crazy. 
So it's, you know, you're looking at, you know, what was that? So February, February, March, you could you could move in. Nice. That's where we should put our studio is China. They won't <laughs> censor us at all. All right. Never. <laughs> um, one last thing, and this is a total geek and AV and sci-fi geek. 49 years ago today, the very first doctor opened the doors to his very first TARDIS. And it is the longest running sci-fi show ever. So happy birthday to Doctor Who, all of them. Happy birthday, Doctor, Yay. yes. Mm. My it, doctor was a Death Eater, so. Your doctor was which one? My doctor was a Death Eater, so. jeez. Oh, all right. Um, like you know, <laughs> doctor Who also has the distinction of being the only show ever hijacked off air. Really? You've heard that story, right? No, With I have Chicago not. Chicago broadcast of a Chicago PBS back in the late 70s, early 80s. Somebody did a max headroom. Uh, they Somehow, they still don't know how he did it, broke into the airwaves from the was it WBEZ or something in Chicago or whatever the TV wow. station is. And I'll send you the links. It's okay. really, really weird, and I still haven't solved it. Wow. It yeah. was the doctor. He was mad and about was that doctor. episode. It was D.B. Cooper. <laughs> That's what he did with this $100,000. Exactly. There you go. All right. Uh, that's All gonna, in a nice little neat bow. Yes. Um, that's going to do it for uh, AV Week. Matt Scott has ran out of uh, Canadian quarters, so he has uh, dropped off the face of the internet. Um, but we wish him well. He is from Omega Audio Video in London, Ontario, Canada. If you're anywhere up there and you need an AV guy, call him, please. Or tweet him, actually. He's at Omega Audio Video on Twitter. With us also is Dawn Mead. She's from NetAV. Thank you so much for joining us, ma'am. My pleasure. Tell folks where they can find you, where they can tweet you, where they can bug you. Well, you can find me on Twitter at, at AVDawn. Um, you can find my company at net underscore AV. And uh, you can find my woefully un, uh, unupdated, which I'm going to fix this weekend, um, AV blog at AVDawn.com. And you can find me at dawn at AVDawn.com. Very cool. Uh, and also with us is George Tucker. He is from World Stage. Tell the folks where they can find you, sir. As always on AV Nation, here and there. Uh, Tucker2s on Twitter and Tucker2s.typepad is my uh, blog, which is being picked up by some other agencies at this point. So you'll see it elsewhere very shortly. Very cool. Uh, my name is Tim Albright. Uh, if you'd like to follow me, uh, that is TD, Tim David Albright on Twitter at TD Albright. But more importantly for me and everybody here, uh, please go by the website. It is avnation.tv. avnation.tv. You'll find this show and others like it. I mentioned uh, George's live show. It's a live, uh, it, it covers live staging and events. He also has a DIY. We do a, an AV social show uh, and an education-focused show. So check those out. We're also on Facebook, to, uh, on the Twitter, on the LinkedIn, uh, Google+, Plus, along with two other people. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, start at the website. You'll find everything else there. Um, yeah, so that's it for us. Uh, thanks so much for listening. That's all the time we have for AV Week. 